up to Hebrews 11 as we continue our series. As we've been uh, going through this a couple weeks now, we've been focusing on certain individuals in the Bible who radiated and shined God's glory through uh, different aspects of their lives. So like a few weeks ago, we looked at Abraham and how his obedience to God really stood out. We looked at David's humility last week and how uh, he shined God's glory through his humility. And these uh, characters in the scriptures are really preparing us for uh, the perfect radiance of God, who is Jesus. Hebrews 1 calls Jesus the radiance of God's glory. Right, the characters uh, we're going to be looking at today, or the character we're going to be looking at today, uh, his, his, his name has been mentioned 803 times in the Bible. There's only uh, two people whose names are mentioned more than the character we're going to look at today. Right, Jesus, obviously, is the top of that list. And then David's the second name that appears the most in the Bible. This individual appears 803 times his name's uh, mentioned, and that's Moses. Uh, and so what we're going to focus on on Moses in his life is his faith in the Lord. But before we get to Moses, let me just give you a quick backstory um, so that we can understand Moses' life a little better. So remember that God created humanity, right? And that uh, instead of loving and enjoying God, humanity decided to rebel against God. And because of that, the consequences of hum humanity saying no to God's rule was their relationship with God would be broken. Their relationship with each other would be broken. And then the relationship to the earth would be broken because of their rebellion. And God could have left us in our mess, just dealing with our own consequences, but he didn't, right? From eternity past, God had a plan to rescue us. His plan was to bring a rescuer into this world through the line of Abraham. That through Abraham and his descendants, God would form the nation of, and the people of Israel. So God chose Abraham and through his descendants started to build this nation. But a few years, a hundred years after Abraham, the people of Israel became enslaved in Egypt. So God raised up a deliverer named Moses to rescue his people out of Egypt. And that was really to foreshadow a greater rescue that was to happen, and that would be Jesus, right, leading us uh, away from sin, the bondage of sin. When we think about Moses' life, I think it's easy to focus on all the things that he did, right? Like the, the fact that he led about a few hundred thousand people, some people estimate to up to two million people out of Egypt uh, uh, headed towards the promised land. I mean, that's a lot of people to lead. For me, it, it's hard to lead four kids to go to the shopping center. And that's, that's a lot for me to do. But Moses, hundreds of thousands to up to two million people, he led them out of Egypt. Yet for Moses, his obedience to the Lord came out of his faith in the Lord. It came out of his trust in God's word. And, and that's really what stands out today, right, in Moses' life. Think about his life where even now we make movies about Moses and, and the Exodus from right, the classic the Ten Commandments, if you watched that before, to Disney's The Prince of Egypt. Right? It was about Moses' life. And a, a little more recent was Christian Bale's uh, playing Moses in Exodus, Gods and Kings. Right? So there's a lot of movies that, that just retell this story because of how well-known Moses' life is. His faith in God stood out. In fact, the author of Hebrews, uh, when he was given examples of, of men and women of faith, 
right? Some people, he just lists their name. He just mentions like David, right? Someone that trusted the Lord. But when it came to Moses, the author of Hebrews uh, mentions Moses multiple times in multiple verses. So we're going to be looking at how Moses' faith was radiant and brought God, God glory. So in Hebrews 11, start with verse 23, reads, By faith, Moses, after he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they didn't fear the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter, uh, and chose to suffer with the people of God rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So the author first starts with Moses' parents and how they trusted God by, by hiding Moses because Pharaoh wanted to kill the, the, the young baby Jewish boys. But they hid Moses uh, for as long as they could because they trusted in the Lord. And when it was, it was, it was too hard for them to hide Moses, Right? Moses ended up, right, in a crazy turn of events, Mo Moses ends up being adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. And so he gets to be raised in the courts of Egypt. Now, if you saw The Prince of Egypt, right, the Disney film, they had uh, Pharaoh's wife raise Moses, but they got it wrong. It was Pharaoh's daughter, right? So don't, don't kind of take Disney's word on, on biblical stories, right? It was Pharaoh's daughter who raised Moses. But nonetheless, right, Moses grew up in the royal household. He was associated with Pharaoh, but refused when he grew up to be known as the daughter or the son of Pharaoh's daughter, to be a part of Pharaoh's household because he wanted to be associated with God's people rather than to enjoy the short life of luxury and sin in Pharaoh's court. Right? If we think about it, Moses could have chosen to live a life of luxury all the days of his life if he didn't leave Pharaoh's household. He could have been gone to the most, you know, expensive schools, lived in the most expensive homes, right? He could have had the most expensive meals all the days of his life. And if he didn't want to go eat out at those expensive restaurants, he could have just had his servants cook him up food all the days of his life. But he chose to leave that life of luxury in order to be associated with God's people because he was trusting God's ways. Right? That's one way to live by faith. It's the trust in God's ways, to have faith in his ways, not in the human way of living, which is about trying to make life about what you can get right now. Moses believed that God's plans was better than what anyone else could have planned for him, even Pharaoh. And that even meant suffering with God's people rather than living a life of comfort and luxury. Right? Maybe for some of us, we're facing uh, situations, decisions where we have to choose between God's way or the way of pleasure in the wrong places. Right? Maybe we, we're make, trying to make a decision in a relationship or a decision with our finances or a living situation, and uh, it can bring us temporary satisfaction, but we know in our conscience that that it's something that God wouldn't approve of. It's something that might be dishonoring to God. Maybe we, we kept, keep daydreaming day in day about what if we just compromised and went into this decision and we feel the temptation pulling us towards, uh, towards making that decision. What do we do? Right? When we have this, 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 this temptation in front of us, like Moses, 
right? But we know the Lord is leading us in a different direction. What did Moses do? Well, look at verse 26. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, since he was looking forward ahead to the reward. Right, so here, Moses, he trusted God's plans even when, right, in the world's eyes, it looked like a loss. And, the, and how he did it was he focused on his future reward. You see that? He was looking ahead to the reward. Right? He had faith that God's wealth is greater and better than any wealth that Egypt could offer. So for, for Moses, following the Lord was worth it, even if it meant missing out on what the world could offer, even if it meant downgrading uh, from a member of Pharaoh's household, right, the most powerful person in the known world, downgrading that to becoming a part, right, tied to the Hebrew slaves, probably being mocked and made fun of for making that life decision. Right, there are times that we might be looked down upon, ridiculed for choosing, making a decision because we believe the Lord is leading us there and, and not choosing to give in to some kind of temptation that looks wise in the world's eyes. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 5, 11, You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets uh, who were before you. Right, so when we're facing that temptation, we need to look beyond that pleasure and we need to see the big picture. Because sometimes we can get really overwhelmed and think well, that, that we really need that thing in the moment that we get blinded to the big picture. That we can trust in God who has given us the strength to say no to, to, to that temptation and to trust that suffering for Jesus' sake is greater than anything that the world could offer us. And the reason we, we can trust God's promises is because he has the power to come through with his promises because he's king and ruler even over Pharaoh. That's what Moses had to see. He had to see God greater than Pharaoh. Let's look at verse 27. By faith, he left Egypt behind, not being afraid of the king's anger. For Moses persevered as one who sees him who is invisible. So how do you respond, right? How do we respond when we know that someone will be angry, furious with us if we make a certain decision that they don't like. Right? We've all had that situations like that, right? Where you're thinking about a decision to make and you, you believe God's leading you there, but you know that someone that's going to be affected by the decision is going to be really mad or you anticipate that they're going to be furious. What do you do? Right? Uh, we have two natural tendencies, right? One tendency is to fight them, to respond to them by fighting. A second tendency is to flee, right? To run away from that person to avoid that person. That's our natural tendency is when we know someone's going to get angry at us, to fight them or to flee from them. But Moses didn't, didn't do that, right? Moses, it wasn't about fight or flight. For him, it was about sight, seeing the one who is invisible, seeing God who is the true king and not Pharaoh. And that enabled Moses to defy the king's wishes, See, Pharaoh was furious at Moses' decisions. Yet Moses didn't let the most powerful leader in the known world stop him from obeying God. 
Right? Sometimes we're going to have to choose between obeying God and making someone angry or keeping them, keep, keeping them placated, keeping them happy. Right now, this doesn't mean that we're, we're intentionally trying to get under people's skin, that we're intentionally trying to be obnoxious. No, this is about those moments where God is calling us to trust Him with a decision. And we know that people, certain people in our lives are just not going to be happy about it. And a reason could be because maybe it puts them at a disadvantage. Maybe by making that decision, it exposes something in their lives that they're compromising in. Or maybe by making that decision, um, they're not going to benefit from you anymore. Right? And so they're going to get angry because of that. And we could be tempted to make their response uh, have greater influence than the Lord in our lives, where we end up fearing them rather than responding to where the Lord is calling us to respond to. There are times for me where when I can anticipate that, where I can anticipate someone just might not be happy, might get angry at me if I make a certain decision, uh, or they'll react a certain way that's unpleasant, before I even have a conversation, I'll just spend time just thinking about the Lord. I'll spend time thinking about just the powerful ways in the Bible that God has showed himself strong, whether it was the time he led the people, his people out of Egypt, where it was time he, uh, the times in Scripture, he defeated great and powerful armies. And so I'll just spend time thinking about how great and awesome he is. And then I'll start thinking about the conversation I'm going to have with someone that I anticipate might get angry at me. And then when I do that, I find that I'm less intimidated uh, by that conversation because I'm, th I'm seeing that conversation through the lens of this awesome and great, powerful God. And so I want to encourage us, right, that, that we need to see the Lord as king and ultimate authority. And when we do, that, that frees us to make decisions and not fear uh, a, a, an angry uh, response from someone that might not be happy with the decision that we're making. We need to see God as the only king in our lives. And, and when we do that, then we can trust him with whatever instructions he gives us. That's another way we exercise faith in the Lord. It's by trusting the instructions that he gives us. The instructions found in his word. Hebrews eleven twenty eight says, By faith he, Moses, instituted the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch the Israelites. Right, so Moses gave instructions to the people on instituting the Passover. I can't imagine just, right, what it would have been like for Moses to have to do this. Right, you have to, to, to facilitate communicating instructions to, right, 200,000 maybe, up to 2 million people, hundreds of thousands to up to 2 million people. You have to get this word out. And it was instructions on how they can keep their firstborn son alive. Instructions on sacrificing a, 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 a lamb and spreading the blood on its doorpost, on eating the Passover meal. Now, God was already right, judging uh, Egypt during this time with, with the various judgments. And so I, I think the people would have been prone to listen to Moses' instructions uh, since they were already seeing the judgments. But at the same time, I, I bet for Moses, maybe he could have thought to himself, you know, this is a lot to, to, this is a lot to do. Like, God, couldn't my family just do this? Because this is really humbug. This is just a lot of lambs. It's a lot of involvement from a lot of people. Wouldn't it be a lot simpler to just have it go through my family? One sacrifice. 
But Moses trusted the Lord's instructions. And he was faithful to follow through with it. Right? God has given us his instructions. It's his word. To respond uh, in faith is to respond by obeying those instructions. And sometimes we can, we can rationalize God's, God's word uh, and say, you know what, uh, maybe he didn't say that. Maybe instead, you know, he said this instead. Uh, and a lot of time we can rationalize God's word or disregard it because when it comes down to it, we just don't like it. We just don't want to do it. But we can trust that God's word and instructions, they're for our good. They're for our benefit. And he gives us the strength to follow through with it. And it's, it's a response not only for individuals, right? We're all called to respond to God's word as, as individual followers of Jesus. But he also calls the community of God, his people, to respond together at times to where he's leading. Look at verse 29. He's, it says, By faith they crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. When the Egyptians attempted to do this, they were drowned. That's another way we... we our faith is radiant to the world. It's when we trust God together, when we trust God as his people. Right, can we imagine just this situation in Egypt, right, where this entire community of God is trusting the Lord to bring them out of Egypt. They, they get to the Red Sea, right, and they see the ocean parting. They see the seafloor exposed uh, and walls of water on both sides, right? That would have been just a moment that's just would have taken your breath away, right? Just a wow moment. But that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough just to see this miraculous parting of the Red Sea. But God called the people, the community together to step out in faith and to cross the Red Sea through the walls of water, right? In which the pressure was just so intense that, that it would have been like taking a can, an empty soda can, and just crushing it under your foot. Right, that pressure was so strong that when it came down on the Egyptian army, right, the army perished because of it. And yet God called men, women, children, uh, the elderly, those who were infirm and, and, and sick and lost the ability to walk. He called all of them to pass through that sea. All of them to trust the Lord together. That's a beautiful thing, right? It's a beautiful thing when the community of God trusts the power of God. And they got to experience the miracle of God as they did it together. They, res they witnessed a rescue mission, right? Which would be talked about and celebrated even to this day, thousands of years later, as they trusted God. We too, right, as a family of God, we have opportunities to trust the Lord together. As we seek to be a blessing in this community, to this school, to Ma'imai Elementary School, we have the ability to trust God together to, that he would make us a, a place of refuge, redemption, resurgence, that people who don't know the Lord can come in to our gatherings and experience the, the safety of God, the redeeming work of God, the empowerment of God through his people. And we have that opportunity as a church, to trust him in this way. 
we have the opportunity to reach a community in which if we were to drive just seven miles in all directions, there's, a, there's over 60,000 people in this community who have yet to know Jesus. And we get to be a part of introducing Jesus to, to some of them as we're here planted in Duwano. It's an impossible mission, something that none of us could, could, could pull off. Just like it was impossible for the Israelites to pass through that Red Sea. It only could be done by the power of God. And that's what Mo God called Moses and the people to do, to trust in him. And that's what the Lord calls us to do in our, in our service and our outreach to the people in our lives who don't know Jesus. We need his power. But for Moses, it wasn't just about leading the people out of Egypt. He had to lead them towards the promised land. Right, that's a lot of trusting in God, right? So along the way, Moses had to deal with different armies and, and raiders who were coming in to attack and, and, and uh, pillage the Israelites. Moses had to deal with um, food shortages. He had to deal with water shortages. Uh, he had to counsel and lead people with broken marriages, uh, neighbors who were disputing, family members who were fighting amongst each other, uh, there was crime. There was corrupt leaders in, in this great group of people. He had to deal with grumblers, right? I was kind of imagining Moses as a flight attendant, right? As a flight attendant, you're, you're dealing with just unruly passengers, right? And just, just people that are just can get violent and wild. And for Moses, that's like a 10-hour, for a flight attendant, like a 10-hour trip maybe that you're having to put up with and deal with certain unruly passengers. But for Moses, right, this was 40 years. 40 years of dealing with people. And yet Moses was faithful in leading God's people. In fact, listen to how the Hebrews writer describes Moses. In chapter 3, verse 5, he says, Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household, as a testimony to what would be said in the future, right? Because Christ would come. Right, that's one of the highest, if not the highest compliments we could get, right? It's that we would be called faithful in God's household. Wouldn't that be something? Right, standing before God and, and he declared that you're faithful in my household. And yet at the same time for Moses, his faith was not perfect. See, when, when uh, God wanted to provide water uh, to the Israelites because they were lacking water, God told Moses to speak to this rock so that God would bring water gushing out of the rock. But Moses was just angry. He was frustrated with the people. They were grumbling so much. And so instead of speaking to the rock, Moses, with his st staff, struck the rock, and water came out of it. And maybe Moses thought he was doing God a favor. Maybe Moses thought, you know what? What if water doesn't come out of the rock if I just speak to it? I have to probably hit it for water to come out. And he ends up hitting the rock not trusting the Lord. The book of Numbers tells us about this. It says in verse 12, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me to demonstrate my holiness in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this assembly into the land I have given them. So Moses didn't trust the Lord, or that God would bring water out of the rock just by speaking to it. And instead, because of this, right, because of his lack of faith, Moses and Aaron were not allowed to bring 
God's people into the promised land. Moses could only see it from a distance. Now, maybe we're reading that like, that's kind of harsh, right? Moses was faithful to God all these years, and now God's saying, okay, you can't lead them in because of what you did at, at uh, in striking the rock. But this is teaching us something with Moses' life, right? That with all he did for the Lord, right, all of that was not worthy enough to earn God's promises because no one can earn it. None of us can earn God's blessings and God's promises by our deeds. We, right, we've all had moments in our lives where we did not trust the Lord. Right? Maybe we thought uh, that we knew better, that if we intervened in a situation when God told us to wait, we could fix it better than, than, than God could fix it if we were to wait. The times where we doubted God's good intentions towards us, that we thought that he was out to get us rather than out to love us and bless us, and we instead chose to trust in our own common sense or our own wisdom or someone else's advice rather than trusting in the Lord's word. Moses is an example of, is an example of someone who had radiant faith but yet had moments of failure. His example of faith points us then to someone greater, someone who had perfect faith in the Father. Right, and that's Jesus. Jesus' radiant faith. Jesus is the only one who perfectly trusted in the Father when he walked this earth. Jesus told us in John 5, 19 that everything that he did was in step with the Father, in perfect trust, in perfect obedience. Whenever Jesus faced opposition from enemies, whenever his friends, disciples ended up deserting him, Jesus trusted the Father because he knew the Father would always be with him. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, when he was about to die, his very last words, right, as he was breathing his last breath, right, was that he committed his spirit into the Father's hands. From the very beginning to the end of Jesus' life, right, he had a perfect faith in the Father, and he demonstrates to us a perfect trust to the Father, in the Father to the very end. And because of Jesus' faithfulness, Right? We are brought into God's family through faith in Him. Here's how the Hebrew writer describes it in verse 3. For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now every house is built by someone, but the one who has built everything is God. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household, as a testimony to what would be said in the future. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household. And we are that household if we hold on to our confidence in the hope in which we both. Right? Jesus is the faithful son. He is the master builder over his house. And his house is us. We are his people, his house, his church. So because of that, because he is the faithful one, we can rest because he is caring for us. He, he, uh, we are his house, so because he owns us, he will care and take care of us. We can trust his word to, to, um, that, that he is faithful in his promises. And so we can trust that his word holds authority over our lives and our practice. So we can, we can have his word govern our decisions. He is the faithful son who is the only one who perfectly trusted the father. Therefore, he is the perfect and the only one that is deserving of worship. 
And so we're going to have an opportunity now to worship the Lord and his faithfulness. And one of the ways that we do that is through taking communion together. So I want to invite you to, to pull out your communion cup. If you don't have one, we have ones on the table. I have to grab one as one on the table. We're going to go ahead and take communion together. So if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, I want to encourage you to celebrate communion together with, uh, with us as we think about the perfect life of Jesus, his perfect faith in the Father. Right? He laid down his life on the cross, giving up his body for us. We eat of the cracker remembering his perfect life of perfect faith lived on our behalf. For every time that we did not have faith, Jesus had faith on our behalf. Let's go ahead and take of the cracker representing his body. On the cross, Jesus shed his blood for us. Right? He endured um, the whips and the nails and his blood was shed. In all those times, Jesus did not doubt the Father. There are times that we, right, when we are going through physical suffering, emotional suffering, uh, mental suffering, right, we're times that we doubt the Father's goodness. But Jesus never did. And he, he, he lived that perfect life for us. And so we drink of the juice, remind ourselves of the forgiveness that we have in Christ. So let's go ahead and drink of the juice together. Another way we worship the Lord is through continuing to advance the gospel through the local church. Uh, one way you can do that is through financial giving. You can do that online or you can give to the box in the back. Well, let's respond now uh, to the radiant faith of Jesus, the radiant life of Jesus, and, and worship him for who he is. So let me invite us uh, to stand as we worship our King. <laughs> 